Hello and welcome once again, everybody, to another edition of THM by the Q on the Q, brought to you by BetMGM. Uh, it's not only uh, the beginning of the second season, but it's uh, time to uh, bring in uh, a bit of an old uh, friend, so to speak, to talk about the eight series that are starting in the Gilles Courteau Trophy playoffs this coming Friday evening. I'm Will McLaren, as usual, Jamie Tozer alongside with me, and uh, coming to us live from, well, not live to you, but live to us, from Charlottetown PEI, is the uh, longtime voice of the Charlottetown Islanders, and before that, the PEI Rocket, the guy who, even according to his Twitter handle, calls it as he sees it from up top, uh, Corey Arsenault. Corey, thanks for joining us here, uh, taking the time to talk a little bit of Q Playoffs. Yeah, guys, uh, happy to be on. Obviously, it's a passion of mine, uh, Q Hockey, and, and you guys as well. So uh, happy to be on and excited to uh, get in deep about uh, what's going to take place here and over the next uh, six weeks. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, uh, a lot had to develop in the last couple of weeks for us to get to this point. Uh, two teams making it on the last day of the regular season. We'll get into that as the show progresses. And we didn't even know who was going to finish first overall or first in the West until uh, the dying moments of this regular season. And speaking of first overall, let's start with the Eastern Conference. Corey, I guess it's uh, kind of easy on your side, too. Um, the Charlottetown Islanders, the eighth-place finishers against the aforementioned Jean Rougeau Trophy champions, the Quebec uh, Rampart, 107 points uh, for Quebec this year, another uh, successful year, much like last year looking to get over the hump of uh, being eliminated in the league semifinals in 2022. And Corey, let's start off with you. Um, I mean, we know what the expectations of the Ramparts are um, from the Islanders standpoint as well. I'd like to get your thoughts on, you know, uh, what are the Islanders hoping to get out of this, out of the team, out of, out of the individuals on this club uh, in this first round series? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, the Islanders kind of faltered down the stretch here a little bit. I mean, uh, at one point they were uh, 8-2, and 7-3 and three in, in 10 games and then kind of went on a slide. And uh, it was nice that they picked up a win, a comfort behind win, albeit uh, against St. John in their final home regular season game to try to right the ship a little bit as they gave up 19 goals and, and two games back-to-back -back over in Halifax. And I think at that point, uh, as, as far as I was concerned, I think in the Islanders too, they're just happy they weren't going to see Halifax again. Uh, mm -hmm. The Ramparts are a team that came into Charlottetown earlier this year and, and slapped a 7 nothing. But uh, when we were playing well, we went up to uh, Quebec and on the back end of 3-3, three and three, which we all know is a, is a grueling trip. Uh, Jake Robillard, I think, stopped 49 of, of 50 and a 2-1 overtime loss. Uh, just a sensational performance by Robillard. I, I didn't hear Patrick Waugh's quotes, but it was somewhere along the line that maybe one of the best goaltending performances he has seen in the Videotron Center. So, I mean, it starts with goaltending, as we all know, and uh, Jake Robillard has been our MVP here of the second half, quite a, a waiver claim pickup that the Islanders certainly have. And he's out to prove people wrong. Uh, he's going to get an opportunity to prove people wrong, but uh, let's cut no bones about it. I mean, this Quebec Ramparts team is loaded for bear. Uh, Patrick Waugh had the, the President's Cup last year, for, or not the President's Cup, but the top team overall in the uh, regular season last year, only to fall in the semifinals. Uh, you know, he wants to get back there again. They're built, ready to go. I mean, there's not much weakness anywhere in their lineup. And for the Islanders, they just have to play smart. I mean, up in that game in Quebec, I think they had 12 
13 shots on net. They didn't care about offense. They just kind of kept everything to the outside and chip pucks out and, and simplified and tried to really bore the ramparts to death. And it, it nearly worked. Now, can you do that over a seven-game series? Highly unlikely, but, uh, you know, I'll never put anything up against Jim Holton. He has a team of underdogs on this team. He enjoys that, uh, you know, role. I mean, obviously, we were favorites last year and came up a little bit short, but it's all about gaining experience, too. And for the Islanders right now, our three 16-year-olds, Marcus Kiersey, Alexi Michaud, and Ross Campbell, who have come up since Christmas time, they've been fantastic, and that's certainly the future. And trying to build on with a little bit of experience here in the first round, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and uh, you, you know, you mentioned uh, Jake Robiard, uh, Corey, a guy who was supposed to be the guy in Sherbrooke at the beginning of this season. In fact, he he actually uh, took the ball during the uh, playoffs last year uh, to the surprise of uh, quite a few people, and uh, just didn't work out. So there's certainly something to prove on his end. And 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 Jamie, between that, it's kind of you know that 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 one you know big story on that side, along with the experience factor that Corey mentioned. But, you know, you look at the Ramparts and, you know, it's almost like East and West are two different animals. The two top teams in the East, we'll talk about the Mooseheads in a second, seem a lot more skill-based, whereas uh, Gatineau and Sherbrooke in the West, uh, a little more heavier. Uh, as far as uh, Quebec goes, you know, we, we all know what the odds are here, you know, in the first round, really in the first two rounds. Um, what do you see out of them that could... Uh, uh, make the difference if they uh, go all the way and end up in uh, Kamloops at the end of the year. Yeah, I think, you know, the thing with Quebec, they're just so deep. Um, you know, maybe they don't have the same firepower as Halifax. Uh, not a lot of teams do, but they've got certainly have enough. Um, and, you know, they might not have 300 point guys like uh, Halifax does, but they certainly have a balanced attack. Um, I would say pretty deep defensively, too. Um, and certainly in this round, um, I think the keys, key for Charlottetown is just if they can defend and they can get goaltending, I think maybe they have a chance in some games. Uh, the Islanders just don't have the greatest of offenses this year. Um, and I think if, if they can, Quebec can somehow uh, come up short offensively, which I think is a long shot, maybe, they, maybe Charlottetown can give them a bit of a run. Uh, but Quebec's just so deep. And if I look at the series kind of uh, just if Quebec can kind of get out of this without any injuries, I think they're, they're going to be cruising through uh, this round and the next round as well. Yeah, and uh, most guys back from injury as well. They they were hit by the bug there uh, earlier in the year. Nathan Gauthier, who for my money could be the biggest difference maker on this Ramparts team. Evan Noss, he's, the, both those guys are back. Um, and uh, James Malatesta, who's uh, I don't think he has been 100% confirmed, but he is close to coming back in any event. Uh, for the Rampart against this uh, Islanders team, Jim Holton's Islanders, as uh, Corey mentioned, who uh, will always uh, try uh, their best to make a series out of things. Lowest scoring team in the league this year, so they will have to be as opportunistic as possible when the time arrives. And uh, we already touched on them briefly in that last uh, part, but the Halifax Moosets, of course, playing in the second seat and you know, 101 points, 50 wins, uh, second most successful season in team history, but a team, Corey, that I thought um, might have actually snuck away with the with first overall when those injuries were really compacting uh, things. 
in Quebec, and they just they had a couple of stumbles down the stretch, a one nothing loss in Bathurst, a two one loss to Cape Breton in the last week of the season that really decided first place overall. But still, uh, you know, I think it's safe to say, obviously an aberration in both of those cases. They get their provincial rivals in the Eagles in round one, and uh, perhaps just uh, the perfect launching pad, so to speak, with all due, due respect to the Eagles, who had a very strong second half to get the Mooseheads uh, on the roll, on a roll here in this postseason. Yeah, I mean, Halifax, uh, you know, when you say the second most successful season in franchise history, that's that's a bit of an eyebrow raiser because they've had some terrific teams over their franchise history in, in Halifax. And, you know, I think it was a perfect storm where the Maritime Division was, a, a, you know, a, a point fest for Halifax this year. And you mentioned those couple of stumbles. I mean, a one nothing shutout loss in Bathurst, worst versus first at that point. Josh Fleming, I think, 49 saves. You know, pulled one out of uh, a horseshoe out, certainly in that one, and then a uh, tough loss at home ice. But, I mean, I think that may have been maybe a potentially a good thing for them because it's a bit of a reality check at the same time where you just can't go out and cruise control and, and win in major junior hockey. you got to show up and play hard for 60 minutes if you're going to be successful. And, and I saw that from them on Wednesday and, and Saturday, 9 nothing and 10-5. I mean, uh, you know, and talking to Jim, like their goal was to shut down that top line and they couldn't. I mean, it was 13 points or 12 points for, for Jordan Dume in back-to-back games. I mean, uh, but, you know, Cam Russell went out and, and acquired two big 20-year-olds, and, and it's a two-headed monster. Josh Lawrence, as Jamie knows very well, he's responsible 200-foot forward. It all starts with puck possession. He's one of the top face-off men in the queue. And then Alexander Doucette, rarely do you see in-season 20-year-olds sign an NHL entry-level deal. He did with Detroit. He's a gamer. Both of them are so dangerous, shorthanded. They can play 30 minutes a night. And then, uh, you know, the Moose, uh, I have some question marks in their lineup as it kind of drops down. Their back end isn't uh, isn't Sherbrooke's. It isn't Gatineau's. I don't think it's Quebec's, but they can score goals. And you know what? Mathis Rousseau is a guy that uh, is a little bit underrated at 18 years old. He looks like the real deal. And if he can stand up and give them a chance to win, they're going to be tough to stop. Yeah, and uh, you know, good point uh, to finish off there, Corey on Russo. Uh, you know, and and you know, maybe it's you know um, just from viewing him so often over the last couple of years. Uh, probably for my money, the most underrated goaltender in the league. Um, he's been relied on uh, in n- numerous games until this you know big. Uh, uh, big fire in offense can sometimes get going on a night-to-night basis. So, uh, uh, Jamie, you know, you know we, we both see the Mooseheads quite a bit more than any other team in the league. Three, 350 goal scorers, which is virtually unheard of yeah. in this in this era Pretty of good. Q. Not too, too bad. Um, but, you know, you have an Eagles side, a team on the other side that not only are they playing a provincial rival – but, you know, they, they're also, you know, they're coming in with, you know, arguably, you know, they have to be coming in with a chip on their shoulder. And, uh, you know, considering that this was a team that two weeks into the season, we didn't even know if we'd see them in the playoffs, which would have mm-hmm. been an absolute disaster um, since they would have, since they're just making their first appearance in four years as it is, uh, to see them get on, you know, a bit of a roll at times and, and get key contributions uh, through uh, select spots in the lineup, Um I mean, I don't think anybody here, unfortunately, uh, sorry, Pat McNeil, our buddy up in, uh, in the Cape. I don't think anybody's predicting the Eagles victory, but you know what? There's enough there to make things interesting, perhaps. I, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be, I think the Eagles are going to give Halifax a push in a few of these games. Um, I don't think this is going to be 
um, the easiest of series for Halifax. I definitely think the Mooseheads will win this series, and I, I'd be surprised if it goes to seven games or anything like that. But I do think Cape Breton is going to give them a bit of a push, um, which I think could be good for the Halifax moving forward. I, I think uh, you know grinding it out um, against a provincial rival might be good for them long-term as it gets more intense in the next few series. Um, I'm curious to see how physical it can get. Cause I'm sure the Cape Breton's no doubt going to try and get LaRue uh, off his game, which we've seen time and time again. I'm sure that's going to be a point of focus for them. Um, and Cape Breton, like you mentioned, well, I mean, uh, the first half was pretty ugly, but they really started to turn around the second half, pretty good end of the year. Um, and they've won eight straight home games too, uh, entering the playoffs. So, uh, I, I do think Cape Breton's going to give them a little bit of a push here. And I think um, that's going to be good for the Eagles moving forward. Cause obviously this isn't their go for it year, uh, but this is going to be uh, some key experience gain for this young core. So the first battle of Nova Scotia since 2008, the uh, Moose are two and one all time in playoff series against the Eagles. It all starts again, as we said on Friday night here at Scotiabank center. Uh, moving on to the Moncton Wildcats and the Bacomo Dracar. And Jamie, let's start with you on this one. Um, from what I saw anyway this year, limited viewing of the Dracar, but a bit more of the Wildcats. And it always seemed that the Moncton Wildcats season came and went with their work ethic. And, and you know, although it is a talented team and, you know, they have the LaBelles, the Barbashevs, the Etienne Morins uh, in out of the lineup and championship experience uh, with Baudouin, they, they just need to be able to put in that workmanlike mentality on a consistent basis to get results, regardless of the talent that they have. And they're up against a Baycomo team that, you know, uh, and I, I mentioned this to somebody uh, over the weekend, a lot of decent individual players, but still on the, on, on the way up yeah. uh, and, you know, not quite pulling it together yet as they are still relatively young, but just enough pieces there that if the Cats let their guard down, the direct card could pounce. Yeah, really interesting second half in Moncton. Um, certainly, uh was a disastrous looking second half here about six weeks ago. And, you know, the, the Wildcast guys were, uh, you know, firing everyone and trading everyone and, you know, we got to rebuild this. Which is really that. weird because they are not reactionary. Like <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, but then, you know, a flip, like a switch kind of flipped and everything's kind of been significantly better over the past month or six weeks. Um, things have looked a lot rosier. Um, and I think they must be feeling good heading into the playoffs. Um, some pretty good wins down the stretch. Um, and I, I like them heading into this postseason. I, I, I do think Bakemo will give them a test, but I, I like the Wildcats to win this series. Um, I, and I think that their roster is probably a little bit better than their record shows simply because they had such a bad uh, stretch there after Christmas. Uh, but yeah, Bakemo is an interesting team. They've got some really good uh, young players, uh, you know, Belovsky uh, and Poirier, two of the top scoring rookies in the league. Really exciting team. Um, and Bakemo is a really, really tough building to win in, in the playoffs. Um, I'd be really surprised if Moncton is able to win, uh, all three games in Bakemo, especially if Bakemo can get a split in Moncton and get the fans fired up. Um, it's going to be a tough challenge for the Wildcats there. Uh, but I, I like the Wildcats chances in this series. Tough, tough to burn to play in, tough burn to get to. When you have to take a ferry to get to your games, 
you you know you're you're in for an arduous journey. And uh, Corey, you know, just to to build off of that, you know, uh, you know, my, uh, Bakemo could wind up, you know, conceivably very easily run, uh, coming through with home ice advantage in this two three two scenario. And uh, another guy though on the Wildcats side that kind of we we've already not mentioned him here in this blurb, but he might have been. After Etienne Moran, the most valuable player on that team, goaltender Jacob Steinman, who came out of nowhere to uh, to really uh, make waves throughout the league this year. Corey, you've seen enough of, of the Cats to probably put a pretty um, uh, you know definitive opinion forth. Uh, what do you see here? Well, I, I think that's the reason why they turned it around is because finally they they got some goaltending and, and Steinman kind of took hold of that crease and he's played very well for a free agent pickup and really helped solidify that back end uh, for the Wildcats. And I know the Islanders were hoping to get to the sixth seed and, and take their chances against Moncton because they've been an inconsistent team uh, throughout the year. They're, they're a bit of a head scratcher to watch because they have the talent up front they have a really good back end, and they, they, you know, Filion was was one of the highest ranked rated goaltenders coming out of Q. But you know that COVID draft, you go back to it, it was tough. The, the kids missed a year of development, and the hype that was around from Bantam Hockey doesn't always uh, translate uh, into Major Junior. And I think Filion still has a chance to be a very good goaltender in this league. But time, you know, father time in, in junior hockey isn't on his side. So, you know, Moncton's got a team that, uh, you know, if Yoan Lotion's going and Barbashev is, is rolling, uh, I really like Charlie Baudouin. He can he can bring it. He can turn a series around. I've seen him last year in the finals. But uh, Bay Kamal, I mean, uh, they're a team that uh, if I was to pick maybe an upset, this could be it. I mean, that rink is small. I know. I practiced with the PEI Rocket as a goaltender way back when. Uh Strapped the pads on and went out onto the ice surface. Now, this is a story I haven't center. heard. We, we, we might actually have to interrupt this playoff preview. Okay, great. So, right. so Ryan, let's, Muir, let's Ryan, Ryan Muir was sick, and uh, I knew that supper the night before. And as the PEI Rocket staff usually did, we had probably one of the greatest nights every night that we were on the road. So the bus <laughs> left, and I didn't go to morning skate. I didn't make any morning skates in my first 10 years covering the PEI rocket. But anyway, I got the phone call saying the bus is coming back to get me. So I rolled out of the wrapper down to Bay Camoa. I went, the boys rolled in. Here's Muir's gear sitting there. I couldn't even strap the pads on. I had to like lay down like an, like a, like a goaltender in Pee Wee or Adam, or I guess we're U nine hockey. Anyway, I finally got it on. They took a mall, hit the helmet over top of my head. And this was one of the first trips out. So all the parents were there. And I get on the ice wheeling around. They're all like, who's this guy? Who's the goalie? Alain Vigneault was coaching at that point. He says, okay, shockers in net. That was my nickname back then. Probably still is. But anyway, keep the puck mm -hmm. slow. Max Lapierre, first shooter came in, tried to go high glove side, dropped oh. down on one knee, snagged it out of the air. Yeah. Everybody's like tapping their sticks, banging the glass. I never stopped one more puck after that. So, nice, nice. That was, no, that, was I... my, that was my cue career. Anyway, that was Bay Camo. I know the boards because I was stopping some rim shots around, but they love their horns in Bay Camo too. Yeah. I haven't had the they opportunity do. to go up there and, yep. mm -hmm. and uh, broadcast the game. They also had free beer back in the day when I was up there broadcasting Ooh. too. Yeah, it was great. That yeah, was awesome. But anyway, regardless, Bay Camo has got a you know an underrated team. They've been building through the draft. Uh, that Poirier kid can pure snipe goals. They traded mm -hmm. their number one goaltender, so that would be a concern. Sierra can he hold up over the series? Right. With with Adam, I, I'd like their chances a little bit more. But you know that that's a series to watch. I don't think it's a cakewalk for Moncton by any means. 
No, definitely not. And thank you for uh, reminding us that sometimes changes in the league aren't always the best of things. So here's hoping that there's beer in Bakemo at some point again. And uh, hopefully the bicycle pumps will be, or the bicycle horns will be out in full force as well as uh, these two teams do battle uh, first time since 2019. And uh, uh, first time the Cats have had home ice in six years, obviously somewhat COVID uh, related there as well. But um, I agree with you, Corey. Um, we, we didn't, I don't think we still know what exactly to expect from the Moncton Wildcats, even after, 68 regular season games. So, you know, who's to say what to expect after uh, seven playoff games? On I, I, I think there's, I think there's pressure on that team to win, right. You know, at there's, least in a series uh, yeah. on home. Ice. I, I think, think there's typically, and there's typically pressure there as we all know to a certain extent. And that pressure maybe gets ratcheted up a little bit more every year, especially as more and more, maritime teams come away from memorial cup triumphs but mm. uh, that's a completely different aside uh, for another day um last series in the east which for my money probably best series out of the eight we're going to uh, witness here in the next two weeks and uh, probably the series that is going to be the most heavily attended by nhl scouts as well if you look at the two rosters you've been following our nhl prospect of the week um listings and that's uh, Shikudemi and Ramuski, and two teams that are on the rise. Shikudemi with just a ton of strong young talent, um, and but but veteran presence where it matters uh, arguably the most in nets with Charles Antoine Lavalle taking on just the, an incredibly stingy uh, Ramuski team, Jamie. And you know it's not very often you see a team finish fifth in the conference yet have. Uh, uh, some of the best defensive numbers, but you know, offense has been a challenge in Ramuski, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly how they can adapt. They they seem to be built more built for playoffs, but let's see how they can adapt to an actual playoff series. Yeah, and separated by just one point, and I think that one point could be really important in this series because Shakutami is going to have home ice, um, and they play on the big ice. And the 21-10-2-1 at home this season, that's that's a big stat for a team that's you know finished fourth uh, fourth in the conference, uh, but a really, really exciting team in Shikudami. Uh Really fun to watch. I'm really excited to watch them over the next couple of years. Uh, now, obviously, with Maxi Massey as well, who's someone we're going to be talking a lot about over the next couple of years, uh, leading the all rookies in scoring. So really exciting guy. Also a Ramuski native. Um, so you're gonna that's going to be interesting to follow. Uh, but after watching Ramuski last year and what they did to St. John in the first round, I, I just can't bet against Ramuski. And I, they're so committed to their system, um, especially defensively. I, I, I like Ramuski in this series, um, even though they're the slight underdog. Uh, I think they're going to be able to shut down Shikudami. Um, I think it's going to be close. And I think um, maybe last year, if uh, that series goes seven games, maybe Ramuski doesn't come away with that first round win, but they were certainly in that series. Um, and they certainly were deserving of that series win. And I think uh, we're going to see another, uh, another coaching uh, masterpiece by Serge Beausoleil uh, defensively again. Yeah, I, I echo on that. I mean, uh, Beausoleil is a tremendous coach, but uh, you know, hats off to Yannick Jean, a good friend of mine who got his uh, head coaching career started here in Charlottetown. And, uh, you know, he's done a lot with that young team. He's got four first round picks. 
and, and this summer's draft as well. And, uh, you know, he, he's built around all those young players and he's given those guys the prime ice time to, to build around them. And that that's really so amazing that he's been able to get it done. But, I, you know, Charles Antoine Lavallee was a guy that kind of got cast out of Moncton and all of a sudden he's a Q champion last year. They go back and forth with Cologne. And, uh, you know, he's he's a difference maker in goal. And their record on home ice certainly is is something to take into. But Ramuski, we talked about Bacamo being a tough rink to win in. Ramuski's a real tough rink to win in as well. Crowd's right on top of you. Uh, that's going to be a terrific series. I agree. It's a, it's a coin flip series for me. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know which way it's going to go. And it very well could be like come down to that final game seven and home ice meaning so much. I mean, both rinks. Just pound. I mean, at the East Link Center in Charlottetown, we have noise complaints about music. I tell you what, they wouldn't want to go to either one of those rinks because no. the, the hearing aids would be in about 50 pieces because they just let her pound. It's it's crazy, the atmosphere in both of those arenas. I love it, but uh, it, to each their own, right? Yeah, we're definitely going to see the best of the, the Q's atmosphere uh, in that series. I think uh, it's going to be a great one, hopefully. All right, and that does it for the West, or that does it, sorry, for the Eastern Conference. Let's talk a little bit about the West, uh, gentlemen. Um, you know, another contentious battle for first overall that went literally to the last day of the season. And at the end of it all, the Sherbrooke Phoenix end up uh, on top. Um, I think it was, if it was about two or three months ago, uh, Corey, I think we would have felt that that race was pretty close to being decided, but uh, Gatineau had a lot to say about that. Uh, Sherbrooke, uh, by virtue of that first overall spot, now gets uh, to take on a Blaineville Watt Beyond Armada team that finished eighth in the conference and really had probably the most unexpected season, arguably, of any team in the league. Just nothing seemed to go right from, from the beginning, and, and, and it's very much a... Uh, uh, just an experience uh, for the guys still in the lineup uh, to even be in this series against the Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, you're supposed to have Patrick Gay, and then after that, you're supposed to have William Trudeau, and and neither of those guys show up, and that kind of puts the the halts to some 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 plans of of being uh, a pusher here this year. But you know, uh, hats off, they were able to unload some assets, and now they got a pile of picks moving forward. But uh, they're in tough, and uh, Sherbrooke. I mean, I, I love their team. I seen them last year. They're well coached. Another terrific rink to play in. They got tremendous support. Uh, I thought, you know, Jake Brabinich is one of the best 200 foot forwards in in the league. I've seen him night in and night out. What he does away from the puck and his practice habits are are second to none. Uh, you know, it was a bit of an eyebrow raiser when they went out and got Adam as the goaltender. That would be my question mark. Is he the guy that's going to take them? To the next level, obviously, Robiard, it didn't work out uh, in the first half of the season. He didn't get the concussion last year in the playoffs uh, against the Islanders. May have been a different series because he was playing very well. But I've seen what Josh Waugh can do. We've seen it on the world junior stage. Uh, their back end uh, is is terrific. They got four number ones on their back end as far as I'm concerned. Uh, spot check is, is a phenomenal. Marc-Andre Goudet is, is a terrific pickup as well. And then, and then Tyson Hines. You know, and, and Goche, the guy on the, you know, the 20 year old that, that goes quietly and just plays a really, really hard, solid game. So, I mean, they got, they got a terrific back end. They got offense up and down throughout. Justin Gills had a big year. Uh, they're going to, and Jacob Melanson. I mean, it, is there, is there any other player that you'd want to come playoff hockey than a player like Jacob Melanson that can change it on the physical play? Scored 50 goals this year as well. I, I really like uh, Sherbrooke's chances at taking the whole thing this year. 
Yeah, and uh, obviously a lot of people don't disagree with that. Um, you know, a very heavy team. You know, uh, I, I you know and this is no disrespect, obviously, to the Amada, but you know, one team has to win, one team has to lose. It's the way the way things go. But you know, you, you can't help but wonder. You know, are the Amada going to get you know more than fifteen shots a game against this Sherbrooke team that is just completely dominant? Even if it's not for the heavy guys on the back end, it's the high octane offense that just carries the puck. For extended periods of time and uh, Jamie you know we can we can probably sit here all night talking about uh, the the various ways that the Phoenix uh, could dominate this series and by rights probably will dominate this series if you're the Armada not only are you I guess there for the experience and if you're Charles Edward Gravel and Net you're you know you're you're looking to try and steal a game or two but uh, you know Bruce Richardson one thing that he always has with these teams in Blaineville is a team that can play a little bit up-tempo. Up Going to be more difficult this time, but, you know, if they can carry even some stretches of momentum within games and manage things that way, you'd have to think that that in itself is a win for the Armada going into next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're just looking for for small victories, right? See uh, where areas of success you can find in this series and, and focus on that. Um, obviously, a massive, massive underdogs. Um, and like Corey said, I like I like Sherbrooke's chances to win the entire thing. Um, such a deep team, um, and it kind of you know kind of feels like the last dance there, right? This is a, a core that's been together for a little bit. Um, this is probably gonna be their last run together. Um, I like their chances, obviously, in this series. Um, and I, if I'm Sherbrooke, uh, I think the key is just not to look too far ahead uh, to the next series. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Sherbrooke trying to reach the finals for the first time is the Phoenix. Trying to reach uh, the finals for the first time uh, for any team from Sherbrooke since way back in 1993 when their goaltender was uh, still involved with the Phoenix today, Jocelyn Thibault. Um, Gatineau and St. John. So uh, I'll admit it, and Jamie, you've heard me say this before. Um, if you'd have told me in September that the St. John Sea Dogs were going to make the playoffs, I would have been... Very surprised, especially based on def defense and uh, what may have happened during the trade deadline. Um, to see them not only make the playoffs, but not be the lowest seed in the West um, is actually a pretty decent testament to what Travis Crickard was able to get out of the group that remained. And, um, you know, their reward for that is to get a Gatineau team that uh, – hasn't dropped a game in regulation in, I believe, 25 or so going into uh, the playoffs. So uh, give us your take here as uh, Cam McDonald faces his uh, former yeah. team here in round one. Yep. Well, uh, I'm sure you guys agree. St. John will win in five or six games. Uh, that's yep. obviously going to be the final result. Uh, but no. Gatineau will sneak one by. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, definitely a tough series for St. John. Um, and again, similar to the Armada, similar to the Islanders, I think you're just looking for those small victories, just try and see where you can find areas of success and focus on that. And hopefully that's uh, experience you gained that can uh, be a positive for next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, Will, like we talked about throughout the year, um, St. John's, a lot of their success had to do with this, this hidden draft class that they essentially had buried at the under-18 level last year because they were so loaded up. Um, and that group coming in as seven teams this year, those have been key players for this team. And they've also added in, added in some uh, some great free agent ads from Ontario as well. And the, that combination with a few veterans left over, it's been a pretty good mix. And uh, 
as uh, Kevin Barrett from Post Media has written quite a few times, this is the best Seahawks team they've ever had after a championship run. Um, and they've had some some pretty good some pretty good uh, teams over the years. So this is a uh, things are looking up. Um, this probably is not going to go too well for St. John. Um, but again, just look for those small victories and hopefully uh, hopefully that's a valuable experience moving forward. Points in eight of their last 10 games just to reach this point as well. So they've essentially been playing playoff hockey for three weeks at least. Uh, Corey, um, I'd say probably the thing that impressed me the most in the entire second half of the season was how uh, Louis Robitaille was able to put together three guys who essentially – well, never played together, but never had not been in the Gatineau lineups to speak of for an extended period of time. And they automatically became arguably the most potent line in the league. And if that doesn't say anything about uh, what this team is capable of accomplishing on top of savvy trading for Fra uh, Frankie LaPena, who I can't wait to hear your thoughts on, plus the uh, defensive prowess that they have now, minus Miller Warren, of course, um, I mean, it, it's just like I say, it's, you can almost flip a coin, it seems, between them and Sherbrooke to see who's going to come out of the West. Yeah, I would agree. To me, to me, I, I, I see that those are my two teams for, for the finals. Uh, you know, when they, when they cross over and play the other side, if, if that's the way it works out, then I, I see those teams in the final. I haven't, you know, um, Gatineau is just, uh, but, you know, what did you guys talk about last year whenever? St. John was playing Ramuski, you know, like uh, everybody thought that St. John was going to roll over Ramuski. There always is an upset. It's March, March Madness. I'm not saying this is going to be it, but one of these teams that we're talking about here right now very well could uh, light a fire. And to me, the fire has to come from goaltending. And it was Armala last year that was the reason why St. John was eliminated. That and the fact that both goaltenders are getting yanked in and out of, out of St. John's crease in that first round, right? So, you know, Shingaroff is a guy that uh, is playing lights out right now. I don't think he has that many horseshoes left in him because Gatineau is just loaded for bear. But, I mean, uh, you know, chipping a chair at the same time. But uh, Gatineau, you know, losing a Warren on the back end, how big of a loss is that? Probably not big in the first round. But moving forward, when you lose a stud defenseman like that, and, you know, for all Gatineau's players, a lot of their core is still only 18 years old. And uh, 18 years old is, is a kind of a funny year in major junior hockey second half is usually when you see guys take off. So they're relatively not going to say young, but they have some younger core players in their lineup. So, you know, that, that could be a factor moving forward. I don't see it being a factor in the first round, but, uh, and then Frankie, I mean, Frankie in the regular season, we, we named him the franchise for the reason here in Charlottetown. There was only a reason we had 12 wins before Christmas. And we talked about St. John Well, their pieces that came back from last year's team. They had some pretty talented players, Brady Burns, Charlie DeRoche, Peter Reynolds, uh, I'm missing a few others. That Cole Burbage is going to be a 100-point guy here in the queue at, at maturity. They have some great pieces, and, and the free agents, you're right, a lot like the Islanders have certainly filled out and made them a more competitive team. But, uh, you know, Gatineau is, I think, everybody's picked to, to roll past St. John. But, uh, you know, St. John's playing well. Eight, as you mentioned, points in eight of the last ten. They're playing their best hockey at the right time of the year. We'll see what happens. Rematch of the 2011 then President Cup final that uh, was won by the Sea Dogs as they marched on to their first of two Memorial Cup titles. All gets underway in Gatineau on Friday night. Also getting underway on Friday night along with the other seven series. Uh, this one in Victoriaville. And uh, Corey, 
I think I don't think there's a more interesting study in contrast between two teams in any series in this first round than the Victoriaville Tig and the Drumville Voltage. You have the Tig who missed the playoffs in the last uh, day of the regular season last year, two years removed from the President Cup, and uh, you know basically they shouldn't be where they're at in their cycle. They you know they they should be on the way up, but they went all the way up from you know, 17th to fifth in the matter of a year without doing a whole lot of, of changes to the roster. You know, Thomas Belgar came in over the uh, off season. That was really about it. It's uh, outside of, dra- of uh, drafted players making their debut and they're facing a Drummondville team that I, I, it's not very often that you see a team that's so clearly supposed to be on the rise fall behind. They actually, they're actually, they actually finished uh, nine points or eight points lower this year than they did last year. And it's just been complete chaos there by times. Corey, what like what do you make of all this? Yeah, I, you know, going into the season, you would think Drummondville would be the three seed and Victoriaville would be the six seed. I mean, uh, it costs people jobs in Drummondville. The head coach and general manager, two very respected men in the queue, lost their jobs this season because Drummondville was just a train wreck uh, all season long. Um, and then Victoriaville, I mean, tremendous coaching starts with that. Tremendous drafting and shrewd trades and uh, great goaltending. Nathan Darvall has has been uh, lights out for them this year. Uh, you know, it, it kind of forced their hand to be a buyer. I don't think they were ready to be that buyer when they acquired uh, Brunei from uh, Ramuski, their captain. And I, they haven't really taken off in the second half. I think you know that's a team that uh, you know exceeded expectations, and because they played so well, it felt like they had to add to to that team. Is it going to pay off? maybe they're, you know, Drummondville is not going to be pushed over in the first round, but I, I don't see Victo unless they can light things back up. Their Russians were tremendous. They're only 18 years old. You know, their, their core is, is, is young. And uh, it, once again, it's tough to get deep with, with a young team, but Drummondville, uh, you know, they're a team that if they can get some goaltending, they, they would be all right. Uh, Pedals had a bit of a quiet year. Maybe not the year that he'd like to have as a 17-year-old. I know Drew Elliott's just getting back one of my all-time favorites in broadcasting hockey for 20 years. That guy's built for the playoffs. He'll be a wrecking ball out there for Drummondville. They can stay healthy. Sam Oliver's had a nice year, uh, another one of those pieces that went the other way. You know, there's a lot of talent on that Drummondville team, but they've just been yet to put it together, whereas uh, Victoriaville, you know, you look at their team, ninth, 10th, 11th round picks, guys that aren't high-end prospects coming in but they just work their tails off and play the right way. Yeah, and play the right way. And you just said it, Corey, because of Carl Millette, uh, who is quickly becoming one of the most respected coaches in this league. Uh, maybe even a guy who you can't help but wonder if he's going to be long for this league if he chooses to, uh, to to go that route because people are paying attention to what he's been doing there. Uh, Jamie, um you know, just to reiterate what Corey said, you know, this is a Victoriaville team that I don't, you know, to paraphrase him and sort of throw in my own opinion, it almost like almost felt like the pieces that they added was almost like a reward for the players that they had uh, for the first half of the season that uh, that they managed to pull off. Hasn't always been easy for them. They they uh, you know they clearly are a, a solid fifth place team in a year where there are four clear front runners, and uh, you know and they're facing a Drumville team that you know. You hear that old adage from time to time, you know, beware of the good team with the bad regular season record. Could the Voltigeur be that team in the queue this year? 
Yeah, and it's an it's an interesting one just because you know things have gone so badly in Drummondville, but at the same time, you know that's over. Like you can't change it now. Um, and here you are, you're zero zero and zero. Like you've got a completely fresh start. Um, and I'm curious to see what they can do. Um, and you know, I've got a group of players who, like we've talked about on previous episodes, will uh, we don't really know what's going to happen in Drummondville during the off season. They could be could be an eventful off season there. Maybe it won't be, but you know, you've got a group of players who maybe want to show what they can do to this management group. Um, heading into next season um so yeah it could be an interesting series especially if drummondville can can kind of finally meet those expectations that we had on them in the preseason um and if i'm victoriaville i think i think Matigue, i think they're looking to kind of get some of that swagger back that they had in the first half i think maybe they lost a little bit of that down the stretch um uh, but uh, you know a big series here against drummondville maybe they uh, maybe we're talking a little bit more highly of them uh, moving forward yeah, two very close geographical rivals uh, once again facing off here in round one. And uh, rounding out everything for uh, tonight's uh, playoff preview is the uh, number four versus number five matchup that we're in around the Huskies, who will host the Schwinnigan Cataracts in game one on Friday night. And uh, Jamie, start with you on this one. Uh, Huskies just in, in a year in which uh, you know, the Sherbrooke's, the Gatineau's, the Halifax's, the Quebec's, they made the headlines to a lesser extent, Victoriaville. Rand Rand just simply went out there and consistently with a strong mix of veterans and uh, an underrated group of 20-year-olds, I'll point out, and a solid uh, mix of younger guys just came, just went out and consistently played teams tough all year round, uh, all year long, and a very well-earned four seed. Facing a Shawinigan team that looked like at the earliest part of the season, you know, they might have they might have finished last in this conference at one point. It didn't look very good, but they managed to pull it together, getting Antoine Colombe back was huge, obviously. And now we have a bit of a series to look forward to here. Yeah, and you know, Ruin Aranda, like we've talked about again uh, throughout the year, they're a team that has followed the cycle uh, religiously for years now, and, and the cycle says that they should be on the upswing here now in the next couple of seasons. Um, so not not a huge shock to see Ruin Aranda have a great regular season, um, but definitely in that second tier of teams below the top four. Um, but you know, maybe they can give a bit of a push to one of those top four. Uh, teams, I I think that they're going to win this series against Schwinnigan. Uh, this is a four versus five matchup, but separated by 18 points, uh, which is a pretty big margin for four v five. But Schwinnigan, like you mentioned, uh, pretty good year considering they're coming off that Presidents Cup win. Um, they do have a few young, good young pieces for a team um, that's you know entering a rebuild. Um, and we talk about tough buildings to play in. This is Schwinnigan is a really tough one to play in uh, come playoff time. This is a two three two format. Uh, so I think, you know, maybe Schoenigan's able to pick up a few games on home ice and, and really give Ruin Aranda a run here. But um, I think that this is going to be a good test for Ruin Aranda moving forward, not just this year, but uh, next year as well. And Corey, I know you got very familiar with the Cataracts last year, and there are still a number of pieces uh, back again this year for uh, for the first round, especially on the back end. Um, what do you think from what you've seen and what you know could be a determining factor for the Cataracts to really make it a series against the Huskies. Well, it certainly is their back end. Four, four returning defensemen uh, and, and their star, Netmonder, Antoine Coulomb, who's, who's back and, and ready to stop pucks as well. Jordan Turingi was outstanding. It's his NHL draft year. Angus Booth was drafted by the Islanders. He's been terrific as well. 18-year-old Kings prospect. Uh, Loris Raffamistoa, you know, 20-year-old back there. Steph Uard, he plays balls to the wall. Felix Lasserts had a tremendous rookie season. If 
if it's not for Massé, we're talking about Lacerte, Bill Zahn, and on the opposite end. So, you know what? Uh, even though there's that many points separating the two, I, you know, they got a lot of championship pedigree still in that lineup. Uh, you know, they're they're going to be tough to knock off. But uh, Ruiz building, I agree. They have some underrated 20-year-olds up there. They play the right way. Brad Yetman, good buddy of mine, done a great job with that program up there. And uh, they're, they're ready to, to, to win here this first round for sure. And so it all gets underway on Friday night, uh, the uh, first games of the inaugural Gilles Corto Trophy playoffs, uh, all set to take place uh, in the respective Q cities. Uh, and just to wrap things up on that end, uh, Corey, let's hear it. Uh, who are your picks? I guess you've already sort of uh, get, you've already shown your hand here and who you like for the final and for the final. Maybe we'll throw another one in there. Um who do you see potentially making a deeper run than we might expect? Hmm. Nobody. <laughs> I think there's a, I think there's a clear four teams that are the four best teams in the league. And uh, there'll be the four teams that are going to be in the semifinals. I, I just don't see any teams that, uh, you know, I do like Cape Breton, what they've done here down the stretch, but uh, you know, there's there's four it's a four headed monster and Victoriaville's just on the outside of it uh, so I, I like all the favorites making it to the final four. Perfect. And we have Gatineau uh, Sherbrooke out uh, of you, Corey, and Sherbrooke to take the cup or Gatineau. Or I like Sherbrooke. Gonna... I like Sherbrooke. You mean Sherbrooke? Okay. Jamie, what are your thoughts? Uh, finals winner and unexpect and uh, unexpected surprise, perhaps. Surprise. If, if... Surprise! will take Victoriaville. I, I just because I like their their goaltending. I think they've got really. I think maybe that could be a difference in a series. Um, final. I have the same as Corey Sherbrooke versus Gatineau, but I'm going to take uh, Gatineau even without Warren. Uh, I think they're they can get it done. And uh, I am also going Sherbrooke Gatineau. I will stick with Corey on this one. Uh, I just like Sherbrooke's team very well rounded in the way they target the players uh, at. Uh, at the deadline i think all the pieces fell into place we'll see about olivier adam i don't disagree with you Corey. um but i think everybody in front of them if there's any if there's any uh, lack of compensation there it'll be made up for by the guys in front of them and surprise if any and that's a big if you know what i wouldn't mind uh, throwing something down on the run around the huskies you know they've quietly impressed all season long and uh very underrated goaltender as well in Thomas Couture, who could potentially uh, come up big. Danny Saperin's been doing great things with the goaltenders up there in recent years. So with that being said, the 2023 NHL Draft Prospect of the Week, and Corey, we're going to shine the spotlight on you in one way, but because of who we're going to talk about, and that's going to be Lucas uh, Romeo of the Charlottetown Islanders. You've seen this kid all season long. He's another one of those Jim Holton, Ontario free agent guys who have made their way in, so like Hunter Drew beforehand, um, and now on scouts' radars. Why is he on the radar? Well, I, you know, I, I think it's his trajectory here right now. I mean, uh, he's a kid that's grown a lot uh, through uh, maturity here, and, uh, you know, he's getting an opportunity in Charlottetown to play top six minutes, and uh, he got off to a great start. I mean, uh, six foot three, 200 pounds, can skate, has skills. He's got pro size. He's got pro size got a pro shot, um, you know, but it's, it's been a big learning adjustment for him going from playing junior B in Ontario to major junior hockey. Isn't just like turning the light switch on, but uh, you know, at scouts are intrigued with his size. 
I know you said no swearing. You may have to beep this someone out, but I'm going to say the F word. He likes to fight once in a while too, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, and that's certainly something that that is going to be uh, dealt with here uh, in the future in the queue, but it's still part of the professional game. And, and scouts are attracted to that physical rough stuff. And like a Hunter Drew, he's that same type of player, just kind of scratching the surface. Uh, he's battled some inconsistencies uh, like any 17-year-old player has, but, uh, you know, he's scratching the surface here. And he's got that pro size, and that's what has uh, scouts flocking in. You know, they're trying to figure out what he can project to be. But because he shows that willingness to play that rough style, he's got a little bit of a touch, can get in on the four check. Uh, he's physical when he finishes his checks. He, he's got a thunderous body check to him. Like, he runs guys through the boards. But it, it's consistency and bringing it 68 games a year, and that's, that's, that's his biggest challenge here right now. But uh, I think you're going to see him – if, if he, he has a great summer and, uh, you know, gets the peripheries on and, and gets focused in, he could be a predominant uh, power forward here in the queue moving forward. And that's the reason why NHL teams are interested. And uh, by the way, just quickly, uh, Corey, uh, uh, you just earned a, a return trip here to the uh, Hockey News on the Queue podcast by almost giving our producer, Connor Somerville, a heart attack. That's great. Uh, we always love that sort of uh, behind-the-scenes shenanigans. Uh, Jamie, um, Lucas, who do you have the most points against in the league this year? St. John. Like a, lot thank of you. like a lot of players. Okay. Thank you for your insight, Jamie. Always appreciate it. So with that, we are going to wrap it up. It's been a bit of a long one, but it's been a very insightful one. It's been a great one uh, with you, Corey, uh, having you uh, uh, bringing your knowledge of the league. Uh, uh, always a pleasure. And uh, hopefully we see you uh, on here again sooner rather than later. So uh, thanks once again, bud. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, thanks for having me. It's certainly, uh, I love uh, watching hockey and I love seeing where Jamie travels and I got to get to then sit down <laughs> with Jamie sometime and, and figure out where all his air miles are coming from because what he's <laughs> doing is uh, pretty amazing. And your write-ups too, Will. Not to, not to take any spotlight away from you, but listen, I'm passionate about junior hockey and uh, I love chatting about it and my kids are patiently waiting for bedtime upstairs. So um, uh, certainly uh, was, a, was a thrill to be on here and uh, Looking forward to uh, a fun playoff uh, series here coming up. Excellent. Thanks again, Corey. So for Corey and our producer, Connor Somerville, along with Jamie Tozer, as usual, I'm Will McLaren and saying thank you for watching another episode of THN on the Cube brought to you by BetMGM. We will see you as the playoffs progress and take care until next week.